Welcome to the Realized Gains Podcast, a guide to real estate investing. Join our co-hosts, Jordan Lee and Stephen Tran, as we interview a diverse group of real estate investors, both amateur and professional. Our goal is to help you understand that anyone can invest in real estate. Tune in to hear creative strategies and learn from both our mistakes and our successes. You can find us where you love to listen to podcasts, on YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com. And for our audience, can you maybe talk about the difference between hard money or private money and and conventional loans and what kind of niche and purpose they serve? Yeah, so um, the I kind of tell everybody this when it comes to, uh, well, I guess it depends who I'm speaking to. If it's a newbie, like completely new to investing, or if they had a couple of transactions already under their belt, or if they're professionals, the way I approach it is a little bit different for everybody, but in essence, uh, a hard money is meant for business purposes, not consumer purpose. So it's not meant for you to live in like a normal conventional FHA loan. So that's immediately that the two differences from the beginning of it. Um, hard money is is it's a private uh, institution fund, if you will, uh, and it's short. Where private money, when you hear private money, it's family friend. It's literally a family friend that has money. everyone. Welcome to episode 18 of the Realized Gains podcast. I'm your co-host, Jordan Lee. I'm a mortgage lender licensed in 12 states based in Portland, Oregon. I invest in single-family homes. And I'm Stephen Tran. I'm an Oregon realtor, and I invest in multifamily and short-term rentals. And today we had a really great guest. Uh, We interviewed Alex Mora, who's a hard money, uh, or sometimes known as a private money lender. And, you know, I work a lot with Jordan, who is a traditional mortgage lender. So, Jordan, why would we use hard money? Great question. So, sometimes there's properties that wouldn't be considered financeable that you want to, you know, buy and renovate. Mm-hmm. So, classic is for, is for flipping when you have a short-term loan. Um, other things you could use it for is if you're using the Burr strategy, where you refinance afterwards into conventional loan. Um, but, yeah, it's a quick and easier access to, to money. But if you want to find out more of like specific strategies, tune into this episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the Realized Gains podcast. I'm your co-host Jordan Lee and yeah, I'm Stephen Tran. Alex Fan. And uh, yeah, we're here with Alex Mora. Thanks for having me guys. Yeah. yeah, thanks so much for coming on the show. It was nice chatting with you a little bit before we got started here, yeah. but maybe you could just, you know, with our audience really quick, share a little bit about yourself how you got into real estate and, and your story, really? Uh, yeah, so um, I started in real estate back in ending of 2019, right before everything kind of uh, hit the fan. <laughs> I kind of backtracked before that. So when I was 21, 20, I had a goal of buying a property before I was 25. I wanted to be the first one, like my whole family to be able to buy something. Oh, oh you're, you're the first, you're the first uh, one in your well, family to own property? Y- yes and no. So I, I have family members that have bought stuff, but they didn't buy it until they were like in their late forties or, 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 or mid thirties, if you will. And, um, no one within my family that was around the same age had bought in a house yet. Okay. So I was like, you know what? I want to be the first one that buy something by the age of 25. 
And you wanted to beat out your older brother or was it a cousin in nah, <laughs> nah, not necessarily. I just, I guess kind of for bragging rights, like I just yeah. wanted to be that one yeah. that just, I said I did it, but not really say that I did it kind of, you know? Uh -huh. um, but so my girlfriend, who's still my girlfriend at the time, right now, she, me and her have been together since I was 18 and she pretty much like, I, when I was 18 to 20, 21, just kind of living crazy life, whatever. And she was like, yo, dude, what are we doing here? Like, are we going to buy something? And her dad has a background of like buying properties. Um, he lives in Arizona, but he used to buy property. So she kind of knew that like, hey, I'm getting to that point where I, I'm trying to take this serious and I'm, I need to buy something, right? Really? Uh, um, She's 18 and she was telling I, you like, hey. Yeah. So we, we're the same age. So this is like. Amazing. A, yeah. Yeah. So we were 20 and she was like, hey, what are we doing? Are we going to work to buy something or whatnot? And she pretty much put like life in perspective. She's like, dude, like. I'm not going to keep doing this with you, like moving place to place. Like I want to own something. So pretty much she kind of set a fire under me. And, awesome. she, uh, and so I set a goal and we were like, cool, let's do this. How about we work till the age of 25 to save money, be creative, however we can to buy something. Um, and literally fast tracking, not even like three years, three and a half years, bought a property, uh, right before I turned 25. So, or 24. So I bought it like a whole year before. So I beat it by one year. Nice. Uh, and then th I did that just because, again, I wanted to do it. I didn't go with the intentions of being like an investor completely right. yet. I just bought it because I just wanted to be the first one in my family to buy it at that age. And also because me and her had made an agreement that, yo, we're going to work together to buy this property. And, and that was at the ending of 2019. And then kind of just fast tracking to where we are now. Now I'm an investor buying multifamilies and do hard money loans because I'm, I'm, I'm a loan officer. So um, in, in a matter of like a year and a half, two years from 2020 to now, I just went heavy into real estate after realizing that like when I would speak to people, they would be so nervous to buy the first property or I'd yeah. hear people's stories like, oh man, I don't know when I'm going to jump in and do this. And then I was just like, man, I already did this. Like I already did it once. I was like, it was not scary. I was like, and granted, I didn't look at it the way I look at it now, but if, you know, everybody has that saying, if what you, if you knew what you knew now, it'd be very different. But in essence, I was like, dude, this is not hard. I was like, if I did this once unintentionally, like not even going in the way that I did, uh, I can do it again. So kind of doing that and rinse and repeat, that's kind of where I am now. Um, just curious. I mean, you know, obviously you bought it the traditional way, right? Just the conventional loan, FHA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I bought that. Uh, I, I bought it at a 5% conventional. Uh, single family. Uh, yeah, single family detached three to with a garage condo for mm. 240 Uh So crazy at the time, this is when like Zillow was like really big into like buying properties and stuff and selling them. They some of them didn't know what they were doing. Um, they were listing properties at a significant price reduction that if, if you didn't know what you were kind of looking for, you would miss a bunch of stuff. And this property went up. It was funny. We were actually trying to buy. It was like a set of, uh, of 10 or 20 of these back, back to back staggered. And we were going to, we went to go look at one like on Thursday. And then the next day, the second to the entrance immediately went on market and there was like a $10,000 price difference. But the only difference was the new one that we, the one that we bought was completely renovated. And the other one was not renovated. It was just outdated on the inside. And it was a $10,000 price difference and it was less. And I was like, <laughs> But Zillow didn't know. Cause yeah, they, they just like a, yeah. a thing that they Yeah, it's just one of those things. And uh, I was like, man, I was like, something's not right here. 
So I want to go check it out. And, and sure enough, um, my, my agent at the time, he's like, so what do you want to do? I was like, dude, I, I was like, put an offer. Like when we go home, like immediately, we want to go look at this, like at nine at night. Cause it went on listing like at 5 PM and like four hours later. So we want to go look at it. And like within two hours, we put an offer in. Wow. So it was pretty quick. Yeah. Conventional FHA, not FHA. I did the actual conventional 5% cause mm -hmm. at the time I was a first time home buyer. So you could do that, um, as, as, as low as 5%. So it was not, did not cost very much at all to buy it. Which worked out great because I still had money, but I didn't have crazy money. Um, what were you doing for work at the time? Uh, so my background comes from auto sales and telemarketing. So uh, when I was 18 or growing up, my dad even, well, not no more, but my dad has been in auto sales mm -hmm. uh, all his life. So when I was a kid, he pretty much taught me the importance of like uh, of communication, but of just building relationships and learning how to to talk to anyone, whether it's your age demographic or someone that's, you know, like 40, 50 years older than you. And so he learned all of that, uh, by selling cars, which is crazy. He learned his English by selling cars and you, like, you can't really, you can understand him at times. Like, he, you know what he's trying to say. <laughs> and then you're just like, I know what you're trying to say. It didn't come out right, but cool. Let's continue on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. But, um, but yeah, so, uh, he taught me to sell like the, as a little kid. And so, man, if I could make a dollar off of a, of a candy bar that I bought for 25 cents, I would figure out how to do it just because he taught me it from a, from a, 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 a nurturing point, I guess, if you will. And when I was able to work full time, he asked me to, if I wanted to sell cars and I was like, oh yeah, man, I was like, I was like, I don't see why not make good money. Um, at the, really at the time I was like, I just want to make money. Yeah. And so did that and I realized it was horrible. Uh, cause I, for one, they just don't, you don't have a life at all. You, they're, they're there like 24 seven, but did that for like six years, then transitioned into telemarketing. So I was working for Xfinity for some time for like three and a half, two and a half years, and then had some other means end, if you will. So I did some other jobs just to get by. And that's kind of how I ended up in real estate. Kind of did a full circle, I guess, because at some point I knew I wanted to be in real estate. I just didn't know what it was exactly, but yeah. Um, cool. Well, what got you into hard money? Was that the first thing you got into real estate? No. So <laughs> that's funny. Um, so when I first got into real estate, uh, and, and we were talking about this earlier. So I had consumed a lot of, uh, bigger pockets, which I think is fair to say everyone mm -hmm. starts at that point, maybe possibly if not, they ran by it. But, uh, one of the biggest things that it took to heart after li listening to, man, I don't even know how many hours, just countless of hours. One of the biggest things that I took from it was go to your, your local meetups or just go to meetups, uh, build relationships and you'll unknowingly put yourself in situations that you didn't ask for, but they're good situations because you're in a room that you never would have been in had you not looked for it. Mm -hmm. So after I kept going to all these meetups, that's where I met my boss and he, uh, after a meetup, he, he's known to party after these meetups. Um, and by party, meaning he just, whoever still wants to, you know, keep on talking about real estate or just in general, they'll leave the location and go to like the next bar or whatever. And he just likes to have fun. And, you know, uh, I ended up being one of the like 10 people that stayed after. And I still had to work the next, I wasn't in real estate completely like this. And he, uh, this was, and this was like way out in Hillsborough and I lived in Milwaukee and this is like 10 at night on a, on a 
Thursday afternoon, on a Thursday night. I was like, dude, I still got to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, ended up staying out to 2.30 in the morning. Um, yeah, I don't know how many shots, drinks <laughs> we had with like everybody, but I intentionally sat next to him, um, intentionally. And he started asking me like a couple of questions and kind of fast forward between like a 10 minute conversation. Um, he literally asked me, he's like, dude, do you want to, do you want to sell debt? And I was, I was confused. And I was like, what, what does yeah, that I was mean? Like, I was like, what do you sell debt? He's like, you want to do what I do? And I, and I knew what he like, for the most part, what he was doing. I just didn't know completely. Cause this was like the first time I maybe had a full on like conversation with him and fast forward, he's explained to me. And I was just like, dude, where were you like six months ago? And I was like asking everybody for a job because there was a point of time, like besides going to the meetups, um so i think it was gary v at some point i I listened to something that he said he said something about like if you want to be in in a certain world uh but your job your w-2 job isn't that find a w-2 job that's in that world so and then it doesn't feel less of a like oh i have to do this it's like i get to and you can apply whatever you're learning within what you're trying to do so it doesn't feel too much like a job in essence Mm -hmm. and you know hopefully at some point you'll end up where you want to be as that whole saying where your passion becomes your your employment and then you literally feel like you don't work ever again because you literally love what you do um so that's kind of how that happened because i was trying to get into real estate and i applied at every position that i can think of within real estate i applied for like transaction coordinator to like brokerage uh construction stuff hvac stuff um, if you had your hand in real estate, whether it was like con- on an investing side or just transactional side, I applied to every job and none of them give me the time of the day. And that was six months prior to where I met huh. my boss. And that's when I had like jokingly asked him, I was like, dude, where were you like six months ago when I was like asking for a job for real estate? Um, and, and he pretty much says like, dude, he's like, I don't know if you, if it's something you want to do or not, but, uh, he's like, you're hired if you really want it. And I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. He's like, well, we can figure out the the rest of this stuff, the logistics of it. But he's like, man, he's like, I think you'd be great. He's like, I just need to know if you're really down for it. And that was in October of last year. And then he, we got together and hashed everything out. And he's like, cool. He started the first day of the year of January or this year. So I've been doing this now, the hard money for 10, 10 months now, 11 months. But, uh, but yeah, that's how I got into hard money. And and for our audience, can you maybe talk about the difference between hard money or private money and, and conventional loans and what kind of niche and purpose they serve? Yeah. So um, the I kind of tell everybody this when it comes to, uh, well, I guess it depends who I'm speaking to. If it's a newbie, like completely new to investing, or if they're had a couple of transactions already under their belt, or if they're professionals, the way I approach it is a little bit different for everybody. But in essence, uh, a hard money is meant for business purposes, it's not consumer purpose. So it's not meant for you to live in like a normal conventional FHA loan. So that's immediately that the two differences from the beginning of it. Um, hard money is, is, is a private uh, institution fund, if you will. Uh, and it's short where private money, when you hear private money, it's family friend. It's literally a family friend that has money. And then you just have conventional, which is FHA, you know, USDA, uh, all that, right? So uh, F, uh, hard money, everything that you know about conventional, throw it out the window because it does not apply to us. Like in essence, I, I I know all the hard money lenders here in Oregon, men, a good handful in, in Washington. And 
none of us work in the same ways that regular conventional FHA financing works. We, we, we don't care about a lot too much. We care predominantly about the, the deal, the property, a little bit of view of the borrower. Like we want to know, like, can we trust you with money? Right. Um, but beyond that, man, it's short loans, interests, you know, their interest high, but again, it's meant for you to get in, get out. There's a ton of different loan products in between hard money. So it's not just like, here's a loan for in all general purposes. Like we still do bridge loans. Uh, so if you need to get out of another property, we can bridge that. So you can, you know, buy time to refinance, whatever. If you're doing, if you're doing new construction, like if you want to buy, if you already bought bare land and you need to go vertical, we can fund that. I mean, literally like if there's nothing there, we can fund it. Um, and again, your general fix and flip stuff. So people that, you know, see HDTV and stuff where, they're getting that money. That's usually hard money. Mm. Um, but yeah, so, you know, there's points involved, there's interest beyond that. That's kind of it. And every lender is going to have hard money is going to have different, um, perks, if you will, like kind of like credit units, if you go with certain credit union, they might tell you like, Hey, if you, if you open up an account with us, we'll throw in like an additional thousand dollars on your closing costs of, of your loan. Right. So there's different perks. Every hard money lender has a different perk. The biggest thing from us is we advance all the rehab funds. So, or not all of it, 30 or 30 K percent, either or whichever is lesser. So that's the biggest difference between us. No lender that I know of does that. Um, and that's usually why people love us is because if you were to close today, today's what Tuesday, probably by Monday, Tuesday of next week, we're immediately advancing a portion of your rehab funds. You're not actually like going into your own pocket to start your own project, if that makes sense. So let's, uh, you know, for some of our audience and don't know, in a typical or other private financing scenario, you acquire the loan to get the property, you spend money to repair the property and the lender would reimburse you. Yeah, right? correct. So yeah. that's difference. I think you were trying to point out. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, sorry about Yeah. So in essence, it, it, there's two, it's either you front the money and then they pay you back the lender. Uh, whereas in us, it's flip flop. We're paying you in advance. So you're not actually digging into your own pocket. So like with a regular hard money lender, you have your, you know, your down payment closing costs, or if you, in essence, if you want to just call it cash to close, and then you still have to go out and spend your own money for whatever rehab, but you go back and the hard money lender will reimburse you that money, right? Us, it's a little bit flip-flop. You still have your cash to close, but instead of you going to going into your own pocket to start your rehab, we're immediately advancing you the rehab and it works that way for every draw. So the goal isn't usually you never have to dig into your own pocket ever because we're always advancing the money to you for for all for the project if you will so that's that's the difference. significant because some of uh, some of your flips you might be you might have a rehab budget of 100, 100 yeah, oh, yeah. Or, oh, yeah. or more yeah yeah i mean you know there's pros to there's pros and cons to everything no matter what um i but in, in essence that's how i kind of look at it like if you have a big re a big budget of a rehab like you know anything that's like 60k and above and you don't have that like sitting in your bank besides the cash to close, I guess what you thought would have took you six months to finish a project. It's going to take you a lot longer just because again, you only have so much actual cash to be able to, you know, start the project or get to a point before you always have to keep asking for the money. Um, whereas in us, even if you still have maybe, I don't know, like 30 K after, you know, closing on a deal and, and that's what your reserves are, we'll still front you the money. But if for some reason there's like a couple of days of a delay between, between us giving you money, you still have your own 30K. We're still going to refund you that back because you're going to ask for it back anyways, if that makes sense. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it goes a long way, especially when you're kind of short on that, that cash budget, if you will, uh, after cash to close, if you will.
for let's let's dive in a little deeper for our our listeners. Like, give us a typical. I want to hear the cash to close, so that way we put some numbers. Yeah, let's yeah, let's yeah, do yeah. a scenario. So, like, let's say we found a house. Alex and I were looking on the market. He found a listing, and it was two fifty. Yeah. So it, that and but it needed a hundred thousand dollars of repairs. So how would that structure look like? Yeah. So so us specifically, uh, my company that I work for. So where we do uh, loan to cost. So a total of your loan to cost is your purchase price, which as you said is a two fifty, mm-hmm. and then you have the rehab of a hundred k. So your total cost is three fifty. Um, depending again on a bunch of factors, if you will. But let's just say best case scenario. Yeah, let's say we will. have good credit. Some, All the above. Some reserves. Cool. Yeah. All right. Cool. So. Best case scenario here, or in a perfect world, we're going to loan up to 90% of the total loan to cost. So you do 10% because uh, that's the difference of right. the 90K, right? Or the 90%. So uh, you're looking at that difference of 10% of 350. That's your down payment. So 35. Okay. So we're coming with 35. Yeah, 35, right? And then you still have your normal. Um, a transaction costs uh, on a, any kind of deal, right? So you got your taxes, your insurance, uh, your appraisal, which again, depending where you are, that could vary. But uh, the other factor is you have your points. Well, hard money is that's where people kind of chime in. They're like, oh, that's a little bit expensive, but that's the point of these. They're risky for us, which is why they kind of have to charge it. Um, but perfect world, 2%. Well, and you're not holding the loan for 30 years. Yeah, exactly. You have yeah. to make your money. Exactly, somehow. right. So if you do, to, um, the way I kind of put it out is usually... I bank about like 18,000 18, at 2%. Um, it, you know, your points plus the taxes, insurance, et cetera. So you got 18 roughly, and then plus that 35, that is your cash to close. Um, that is what's needed to close this deal. Now, some lenders ask for reserves. So they might say like, hey, you don't need to give this to us, but we just need to make sure you kind of have it within all of your liquidity. So they'll be like, Hey, we need six months of making sure you can have uh, the monthly interest only payments. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do again, whatever, I don't know, let's say 10% of interest. So you do 10% interest over the loan amount over six months. You have to have the cash to close plus those six months of reserves handy. Um, but that's, again, every lender is a little bit different. Some might say, we don't care that you have any. Some will say, we need you to have like three months or six months. Granted, those are little things that just depends where you go. With us, we just want to see that you have six months. Um, but that, that's kind of it. Not, not much more towards that. Yeah. And can you explain like interest only payments versus a regular mortgage payment? So, you know, yeah, yeah. So it, it, when, when we refer to um, IOs or, or IO, yeah, interest only payments, right? It's literally, at least for us, versus conventional is on a regular mortgage, you know, you, you're, when you make a payment, a portion of that is going to interest and principal. So your principal is getting paid down. And then obviously interest is interest. With us, your principal stays the same because it's interest only payments. So again, depending who's, who's, who you're talking to, they might say like, oh, that's bad. And to some of us, like investors, we're like, cool, I just need to know what's the cheapest. Like, how does this break down interest only? Because if you look at it on a cash flow, like, what am I getting? I want the cheapest payment anyways, because I'm going to pay you guys off. And I just need to make the lowest amount of payments every month to maintain the project or finish it, right? So yeah. with us, or in general, interest only, you're just literally paying the interest again, depending on whatever you got for your terms. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if a regular mortgage, you have to pay principal plus interest, obviously your payment's higher. Um, but your your principal goes down with us. On, well, any hard money lender, your, your principal stays the same. It's just you're always making interest only, which is why the payment is significantly less. Okay. Yeah. 
And uh, can you go over a little bit about the the checks and balances? Because I know obviously if you're working with your uh, you know re regular mortgage lender, you go through underwriting, they're checking everything, and you said it's a little bit easier. It's a, uh, like can you kind of go through that process? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check? Yeah. So obviously when 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 you're getting a, a normal loan. Uh, like a mortgage convention, FHA, whatever, USDA, they, they, man, they ask for everything. They want to know what you did 10 years ago, where you went to the bathroom. Like, dude, they want to know everything. <laughs> yeah, Jordan. Dude. <laughs> Come on. Dude. Two W-2s, a pay stub, and a bank statement. And oh, my <laughs> God, man. <laughs> documents. But if there's, if for some reason you have like $3,000 out of nowhere that just popped up, they're like, yo, where are those $3,000 coming? Now you got to explain everything. But no, joke, joking aside, right? They just ask for a lot, which again, I've gone through because of the process that I've had to buy my properties. But um, with us, man, we just need a general application. It's a formality, really. We just need to have enough to pull your credit. Um, so really, you don't need to like fill everything out. We would hope you that you do, but we just really need enough to do that. Um, beyond that, we just need your liquidity. So all your accounts that you have, banks or your bank accounts, whether it's business, personal, if you have 401ks, um, pensions, whatever, just your total liquidity, the most recent two months. So all of it. And then beyond that, that doesn't sound like no documents. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was optional, but, whatever you can provide. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. So you just need to show some amount of reserve. You need to, well, here's the thing. We need to make sure that you, t you have the funds for what you're trying to buy. Right, right. So like, if you show me, if you show me your bank accounts and all you have is like $2,000 and you're asking for a loan and your cash to close is like 40 G's, I'm like, yo, yeah. there's there's money missing like yeah, how are we yeah. gonna do this right right uh, but in essence like there's ways to finagle things if you will but uh, we just need to see that you can buy what you're asking to buy in, in short right um beyond that that's kind of it man like if you want to close in an LLC we just need your LLC doc so we can you know go over that but so beyond that that's is kind that of it. not a requirement because I know in the beginning this these are designed for business commercial purposes am I hearing you don't need to buy in an LLC no, you can buy in your personal name if you want. I mean, usually everyone that I know is like flip flopped. They're like, "Hey, I'm buying this in my in my business name." And every now and then, I'll get someone that's like, "Hey, I'm going to buy this in my personal name." And the only reason why it kind of reverses that is because sometimes people set up their LLCs and the way like that because I see these on a on a daily basis. The way that these things are like written, sometimes like I'm not a lawyer by any means, but I've seen enough of these where I always tell people like, "Hey, I'm not a lawyer. You should probably talk to one." But for our company to fund this in your business name, there's certain verbiages that needs to change. Mm -hmm. and to, for one, to protect us, but like longevity, like whatnot. Um, but yeah, some, and because it gets too complicated sometimes, they're just like, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to close this in my personal name. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason why sometimes people close in their personal names. But other than that, yeah, we don't care if you want to close in your personal name or your business name. It doesn't matter to us. But really, that's, that's pretty much it. Not much more. Obviously, if there's other like... If you're doing like a construction group, you know, ground up things, we ask more stuff, but a general fix and flip the application, your liquidity, um, to show us that you can afford to buy what you're trying to buy. And if you want to close in a business, just your LLC docs beyond that, that's kind of it. Just obviously ID, a couple of little things, but that's really the biggest things that we require, if anything. So, um, can you tell us about times you've been screwed over by your clients? <laughs> Uh, uh, that works. <laughs> no, man. To give specific. No, so how about people who don't pay? People who default. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about you know 
the the bad stories I think Steven's alluding to is somebody who <laughs> you don't have to give me any <laughs> no, yeah, 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 yeah. no I got you just watches HTTP yeah right? yeah yeah brother who's a contract what or whatever yeah. and then you know it takes seven eight months right we're talking yeah this stuff you happens. know I'm gonna I'm be completely honest man I think like all of the deals that I have been involved in because keep in mind like I, I so I'm the I'm, I'm a loan officer, but I also do the transactional side for three of our loan officers that are here in Oregon and Washington. And out of all the clients that we've dealt with, I, and because again, we don't deal with that backend stuff, but I, I've only maybe heard once where like a client maybe did something or was part of something that kind of messed up or messed up the relationship that they have with their company. Because and then when they come back to ask us for another loan, our company's gonna look at them and be like, "Yo, man, you kind of messed up on the last loan, kind of thing." Yeah. Um, so they might not give them like the, uh, you know, we might not uh, give them that rate that they probably got originally because now they kind of tarnished they're higher, that they're higher risk. Yeah, right. So, um, but man, like I I'm grateful enough that I think that all of our clients have actually never done anything to us. But I have heard stories where, like, because again, keep in mind we we advance all the rehab funds, right? Sometimes. Uh, there was a time that I remember that there was a, a new investor. Um, we need to know where we're going to wire your funds when you want rehab. And this person put down the general contractor's account and not their own personal account. So the general contractor walked away with 30 grand because obviously that money goes straight to whoever you yep. told us where to send the money. And they did no work and they walked away. Yep. So. Uh, it wasn't an us thing, but I, I was, they came to us like, yo, what are we like? What am I going to do? Or what do we do? Like, there's only so much that us as a company can do. Or like, we, we kind of, like, we kind of sent the money where you told us to send us yeah. the money, you know? Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's part of the, the real estate stuff. Like, unfortunately, sometimes you, you learn this stuff the hard way. Um, and sometimes it does. Yeah. It sucks. Cause you're just like, dude, if I could fund you the other 30 grand, I would, but like, we can't really do much about it. Um, but luckily I think it's because again, like us personally, us loan officers uh, and within my company out here, we're very personable and I, we tend to do business with everybody that is like genuine and, and granted they'll get referred to me by other investors that are very active. So like, I don't have anything to really worry about. And if I do, I kind of know that in advance and we're kind of setting up the expectations anyway. So, I mean, knock on wood, I have, I have yet to do that. Like, so you're not foreclosing on people reg regularly. No, 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 not even. And I mean, there's times where sometimes like a client will miss a payment and we just, get, we'll, we'll get notified cause we have to kind of reach out to them. Like, Hey, yeah. can you refill out the newest form? Because where we were trying to take out money it got declined or whatever and they're like oh dude totally forgot i closed out that account and i just need to update it yeah. which happens right like on a business basis but um but beyond that like nothing where we've like had to foreclose on somebody or um we we try to do everything at least us as a company i can't speak to everybody else we try to set up all our investors for success right so we work with you as much as we possibly can um to like avoid the worst case possible scenario but um is there certain things that do happen between that and like completely foreclosing? Yeah, we 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 try to help you out as much as we can. We we don't want to be the reason why you don't succeed because for one, if we tarnish that, then there goes a client, and then the amount of revenue that we've probably lost just you know by not trying to help it affects us to to that point. But um, us as a company is what I can speak for. Like I I have yet to be involved in any scenario where we've done that at all. So which which is great. Yeah. So. 
but yeah so luckily luck, luckily no no bad stories completely <laughs> at least not like me personally but that's, but cool. yeah. that's good to know yeah. and i appreciate that but i want maybe some of our viewers who you know like i think you threw out a hey 10 percent uh you know on the initial is that like initial six month term say right things are taking longer delays whatever it may be but when you jump into that seventh month right you know yeah so so the way that our 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 structure works is it is a our fix and flip product i guess to kind of go a little bit deeper into like the numbers or the nuances if you will so the way that usually works out for our terms is it's a 12-month term and it's an automatic six month or two month extension with deferred interest so what that means is depending again on the deal you as an investor will do a no deferred interest um up till month seven so for six months you're just paying your no more interest only payments and then when like month seven kicks in there's a uh, 33 uh, basis points that gets added to your total final loan balance for every single month so if you went over one month a 33 basis points of your loan amount gets added uh so and then obviously that that's your new loan amount if you go another month and another month gets added on right now are sometimes we can defer that until month 11 and 12. Um, so that's literally how it looks like, but it always works out to a 12 month. There's no prepay. So you can literally use this, I guess, for the acquisition if you really needed to, because your conventional lender, like, you know, excuse my language, shit the bed. Um, but we come in and save it so you get the deal and you can literally pay us off the next, the next day. There's no prepays, but it is a 12 month term. Uh, it's either a six month with an automatic six month extension or a 10 month with an automatic two month extension. Um, we are able to do extensions. So like if, if you get into that situation where you're like you're coming to your maturity date we are already pre-planning like two months before your maturity to figure out like hey man where are you at on your projects are you do you think you'll be able to either one list it refinance it before your maturity and you kind of just tell me like hey man i'm like 90 percent done i think i could finish and i'll do what i can on my end to get you an extension for like three months six months um and that's a one-time fee it's uh every lender i there's a couple of clients that i've spoken to uh, or potential clients that told me that their other lenders were going to charge them like a flat fee or an, a, an additional interest payment on top of their only interest payment. So every, every lender is a little bit different, but with us, it's literally a one-time fee. Um, sometimes again, for whatever reason, especially in the, in these crazy markets right now, people are a little scared, uh, scared with what's going on. So there has been a little bit of a mix up on like possibly your rate going up or you might get charged the one-time fee plus an additional point. Again, there's a bunch of scenarios if you will, but in essence, for us, it's simply a one-time charge and everything continues the same way that you had originally the past 12 months. Um, but that, that that's pretty much it. So it's interest-only payments, no prepay, a 12-month term, six-month auto extension or two-month auto extension. But yeah, that's kind of it. It's uh, very generous in my opinion. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, but I want to bring that up too. Yeah, yeah. As a fix and flipper myself, yeah. right? I, I know like, and I want our listeners to know too, right? Every you know it's speed is the game here right and every day you delay your costs increase even though maybe it might be on the back end yeah that's cutting into your your gross margin of profit yeah basically and so you want to be able to walk away with some money ideally oh yeah you know? no, no, that's the whole point yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> i mean i could tell you this man i i tell people um anytime they hear hard money they're like oh man you're expensive and i'm like you know what yeah we are expensive but i guarantee you i'm probably the cheapest one if not the the most affordable hard money lender compared to any other hard money lenders and and it usually it works out that way because for one we tend to stay within fair and 
bottom, like like what completely rock bottom is, but we're not like your true hard money that's like 13 and three or 14 and two and a half. Like that's not us. And, and then also on the other thing is like, again, we're advancing all the, like we're advancing your rehab no matter what. Again, it's either by increments of, you know, 30% or 30K, if you will. So that's usually what wins people over. For one, we can close within like five to seven business days. So if you tell me on Monday, like, hey, dude, I need to close next week on Monday. I'm like, cool, I got, we have the structure to do that. Um, if you want to close in your business, cool, we can do that. If you are using funds from like a 401k or someone else's money, if you will, cool, we can do that. Um, there's a bunch of things that we can do, but it also comes down to one I'm probably going to be cheaper than anybody else on the interest only. May I be a little bit more expensive on like the closing, like in general, probably, but you got to remember I'm immediately giving you back that money. So even though I, you fronted, I don't know, like 70 grand to me or other company, I'm immediately maybe giving you back like 20,000. So now you're leveraged back into the, like the deal. Like you got to look at it in the whole scope. Right. Um, and sometimes people like, they're like, Oh man, you're, you're more expensive than the other lender. I'm like, yeah, but are they giving you money back? They're like, well, what do you mean? I was like, well, we front you the rehab. Like, are they fronting you any rehab? They're like, no. I'm like, well, well you got to look at, you gotta take that into consideration. Like, are you able to finish your project out with the money that you have and still wait? Like you were mentioning, you know, flips every day is expensive. Like the, the longer you hold it, it, it goes and you start, you start thinking and you're like, man, if I hold this for another week, that's not like 600, $700. It adds up quick. Um, and that obviously eats into your net. So for us, like it just works out great that for one, we're giving you the rehab money back and we're overall least expensive to everybody. Yeah. I was going to say, um, like that's motivation for your contractor too. Cause like, here's your money. We'll yeah. Start it, let's get going. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, when you have to wait for a draw, like you're like, that's stressful. Hey, I promise you, I'm going to, I'm going to pay you once I get that first draw. Yeah, What's man. <laughs> yeah, man. It happens. Dude, it's stressful. I, I mean, I, so I do my own, uh, when I do my own renovations, Thankfully, I haven't yet to like jump into something huge where I've had to like drop a deposit down. But man, I get I get investors like the day that they're closing, they're like, "Hey, man, when am I to get that first uh, check or the first funds for the rehab?" Because I got uh, contractors lined up and they need to get paid like a deposit. Mm. I'm like, "Dude, just wait a couple of days. It should hit your bank account pretty quick." But it works out great, man. Yeah, I, that's honestly where I think I love about our company that we're just able to front you the money and again i have yet to meet a lender out here that is actually doing that and if you any if you guys do know somebody that does it i would love to talk to them i generally love to talking to other people just because building relationships but just knowing where the business is i guess in their standpoint because i have yet to meet another lender that can do that yeah that's the first i've heard of it so that's awesome. yeah so yeah, yeah. if um so i've heard that you can as an investor you could come in and give companies like yours, private money companies, like say $100,000, $200,000 and they'll invest your money in their clients. Is that some, a service that you offer or is that more like smaller scale private money lenders? I, I think that's more on the private. So your sources it's, of funding are, are different. Yeah. So we have our own fund, like we have our own money. So like when, when you go to closing that, that wire is coming from my company, it's not coming from some other small institution or something mm -hmm. like that. It is always being wired by us. Um, we do hold some stuff on our books, but we have a lot of, or put it this way, every hard money, like lend the secondary market, uh, not the secondary market necessarily. There, there is a, uh, market for our type of loan. So every hard money lender that, you know, we pretty much sell all our loans to get like to the same people. So it's not the secondary market, like the normal, you know, conventional FHA where they right. buy back type thing, but it's identical to it. Um, but, but they still all, we know like certain, certain, uh, 
funds or companies that buy certain type of loans. So like if your loan is a, a brand new construction build with dirt land, we have a specific um, uh, company that will buy those type of right. loans because of the structure, if you will. So, um, but yeah, it, it kind of works out like the secondary market, just like the private side of it, of, the, of that world, the private equity world, if you will. But, but yeah, so we either hold it. If we don't hold it, we sell it. But that money comes straight from us every single time that wires from our company's name. So got it. They're very different but yeah that that's it's kind of more like a syndication kind of a little bit mm -hmm. you pull money and then you buy something or yeah you use someone else's like table funding in essence you know that's literally kind of what you're doing but yeah yeah i mean that reminds me like you know when i got my a couple of my traditional mortgages like sometimes you get that letter in the mail that's like okay gigantic mortgage company has bought your loan <laughs> yeah so, you know i'm curious yeah. what kind of companies that you're talking about that buy like or that you know take over these hard money loans. yeah yeah so so um it's kind of funny man because no one really like to get into nuances of like how our world works it's um there, there is a private world for private money um so like one of the big players is two rack um that's who we sell our loans to they're a big big fund they just buy a bunch of stuff um but it's a bunch of other small companies like ans um and again not no one's gonna know this and again this is like getting into the weeds of it but it's literally just bigger funds bigger right. capital funds that buy these stuff because again they're making money off the interest and everything so beyond that they hold that because again they're just making money off like crazy money off of the interest because again of the the spread that you know we we get into these deals because again that's just it's a high risk for us so um for them they're just milking the year that they have the loan and if you again you need to extend then cool that's on them because they kind of make that decision like uh do we want our money out there still yes or no uh yeah that risk is fine so yeah we'll continue we'll extend for another three months because they're just gonna make more money off of the interest only but other than that like it doesn't get sold from another one to another one to another one they just literally hold it and it's and because again it's only a year their returns their yields is crazy because again it's again it's a risk to them but they're getting rewarded for that risk yeah i want to go back to one of your points you made about you know the comment of some you know some people might say oh you're too expensive or that's really expensive but i you know it's about opportunity cost yeah and you know it's, if the right deal lands on your plate are you able to <laughs> capture that deal yeah everyone would love to go to a normal you know third you know uh, oh yeah and work 30 days but yeah, yeah, yeah. seller depending on the situation yeah, well, doesn't home, not as attractive. Home might not be able to appraise, right? Yeah, exactly. May not appraise. May have conditions. May may not be financeable, mm -hmm. uh, for example, and take too long, right? A seller maybe is a situation where they need to close in a week. They want money, and private financing isn't like cash, but it's as you pointed out, it's not traditional underwriting. It can happen in five yeah. or seven days, like you said. Yeah, yeah. And that's the opportunity. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, it really like the way I look at it is you have three types of funding, right? So you have conventional which is fha usda uh va stuff like that and then you have private which is family friends so your family friend someone's rich or a group of you get money together and you could literally offer cash because it's cash at that point and then you have the hard the, the private world the hard money which is us we're still a fund we're just not like the first one or the second one that i mentioned right um we still because it's a business and we still have to make sure that we're protecting ourselves correctly with these high-risk loans yeah we everything that you know about a conventional normal process just throw that out the window with hard money because we can do things that you're just like wait you can do that you're like yeah it's just it's, it's a new world and it, it just works different for us in our in our world we, we can get away with a bunch of stuff and we can do things that 
you don't have to go through with a normal lender. So yeah, I mean, I would just say like, yeah, those prices are expensive, but just think like you're going to get into an invest investment property. You're going to put 25% down and then like, yeah. Oh, I need to go fix this place up. We're, yeah. You know, like you got to yeah. find all that money yourself. Yeah. It's very different. I mean, there, there's, there's so many, there's so many ways to get into deals. You know, there's com there's creative financing, which is what I'm crazy about how to like cr structure stuff creatively to still buy stuff, whether it's private, hard money, conventional money. Um, but just, Man, if you can make your numbers work and if you have enough, you know, I guess spread in it or, or if you underwrite it yourself correct it correctly, man, just get a, get the deal as long as you have enough, you know, I guess if the deal makes sense, right? Um, but yeah, man, it just us, it's a short time, short time fee, one time fee. And, and then hopefully the goal is that that will help you start your career if not expand your career furthermore so i'm just we're here to help out as much as we can we me personally i love talking to people that i've helped like numerous times where they're like oh man i want to get in i want to get in and like for for some random reason like they'll call me out of nowhere like hey i'm about to go into contract on this thing can you close in like two weeks i'm like <laughs> dude you didn't even tell me you were doing this and but i like intentionally like you were gonna buy something right so i have like no documents i don't even know what their situation is and then they give me like the whole breakdown i'm like oh damn dude like we should have structured this a little bit differently but we'll figure this out right we're still close um but yeah man as long as it, we're just a means to an end to try to help you but i really try to build the relationships and hopefully you would call me before getting into a deal so i can give you pointers because again i there's certain things that when you're an investor like myself i don't just look at it as like a transaction thing because i try to see it on the investor side because i'm an investor too so when someone brings me a deal and i'm like looking at it i'm like dude you could have structured this differently like did you think about x y and z and they're like no i didn't even think about that i'm like uh, like you know what it is what it is like we're here where we are but next time recommend these are my two cents um take it take it for what you will but yeah. i think this could have been structured a little bit differently to help you in the long run or whatever but um i just love putting stuff together so when someone tells me like hey i have a possible deal these are my numbers this is what i'm doing i'll give them some like nuanced you know thing to it i'm like hey did you possibly consider doing it this way and they're like no i didn't and then it changes like the perspective of like maybe you don't have to use my money and again do i want to make money yeah absolutely but i really just want to see you succeed for one and if we do if we build that relationship hopefully at some point you're gonna be like you're not obligated to use me but hopefully because we built that relationship you're like man you've helped me but not really helped me to where like i had it you needed to give me money you just helped me by being resourceful um, which is what I try to do. I just try to be really resourceful as much as I can. Um, because man, I buy properties, but I don't, I don't buy them with hard money. Like I try to avoid using my own hard money, which is funny. Um, because for one, like I just, I, I just be creative with this stuff. Like if I can, cool. I know I can use my own money, but do I want to? No, I don't want to. It's expensive, which I get because I do it. But the, in essence, like I just try to be creative about everything as far as like, Hey man, let me help you help me help you in essence. Right? Like I know at some point we'll do business, but I think maybe there's a different way you could look at it or if you're still going to use me structure it this way. So, and then when you get with me, your exit is set up correctly. So you you're in a well spot. Cause again, that's how I look at it. I'm going to peel back some more, Alex, give our listeners three tips and or suggestions about, about how to be creative here. Oh man. So sometimes, sometimes, um, you may not have all the funds, right? Meaning like you're not liquid enough. Yep. Like you're right. You, so you have money, but to close the deal, you're not, uh, liquid enough. Um, my top, like some pointers that I always give out to people is 
there's always someone within your network that wants to give money or make money or be a part of something. So my, one of my like biggest tips is tell people what you're doing. And when you're about to close on something or get under contract, hopefully you would have shown that, that you're making that progress to do that. And somebody that has money will lend you money. So again, however you, you do that, mm-hmm. just be, I, I don't care. Don't care how you do it. But if that money now, now you're liquid, cool. Like that solves problem one. Like you're liquid now, right? Cause you figured out where to get money to, to get our money, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, third thing is if you want to, um, when using hard money, especially now, make sure you have like six months of additional reserves. If you were already planning for like six months of reserves, make sure you have like mm. a year's worth of reserve, especially now with what's going on in the market. Yep. Because now like might we sit, have, might sit a little bit longer. Than yeah, have. man. What, what, right. What's the average days on market now here? Oh man, we're about 50 days. 50 days? Which sounds really bad, but 50's not. <laughs> it's, not it's, bad. Bad. it's not bad. It's not bad, but when you're remodeling, fix and flipping, yeah, that's, and, hey, and man. the numbers are kind of declining still yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah like we mentioned every 30 days man you got a big payment of interest only coming in so that eats in your profit right yeah I mean, you know you're struggling right you, you know what it is <laughs> hey, but yes I am right but you yes right it's no fun but but in essence right so um just make sure that you have enough reserves so if you were if you originally had four months because you think you could finish this thing in two months cool i just add another four to it like double your reserves no matter what because i can guarantee you and i'm saying this because i'm seeing it um those things are taking a little bit longer to to sell especially again if you're not buying in the median us uh price point which again is about like 350 that's still on average for the most part like across the country that a first-time home buyer can still afford even with like the rates right now it still kind of pencils out for the most part um but if you're above that that money gets expensive very very fast because it's just a lot of money um so just try to have a, a little bit more of a cushion because i can guarantee you you'll get to a certain month and you're like holy crap uh, this thing is taking like three months longer and i didn't factor that in and i don't have the money or it just now my money that i'm i'm by the time i do so because again a normal conventional le- lender is going to close in like a month in a couple of days so well i'll say this you don't always have to sell like there's not oh yeah yeah you could always oh yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah absolutely lending. absolutely like, you know like people who like you know, i tried to sell you know <laughs> and i couldn't do it like so yeah. it's like an opportunity to like hey maybe i'll refinance yeah yeah you know get a you know, a loan that will actually pay towards my principal. Yeah, totally, totally. And, uh, you know, like get a renter. That that, that kind of goes leading to my third point, right? So so the, the, the three top things is figure out how to get the funds, meaning tell people what you're doing. At, at some point, somebody, if you tell them that you're going to do something and then you're kind of working towards that, somebody will take a, someone will bet on you at some point. You just got to be very proactive about it. You'd be very surprised. And I didn't know this, man. People love giving money if you can tell them they're going to get a return. As long as you do it with, you know, a professional manner and and, and you're, you, it's a business oh, yeah. thing, people right? People love investing people, oh, dude, people out. All right? the time. Which, Especially if it's someone that you know and trust. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes, give me money, please. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it's it's crazy because you, you would have told me this, like, you know, uh, five years ago, I'd be like, dude, who's going to give me money? Ain't nobody going to give me money to buy a property, right? But, you know, I look at it very differently because, again, in the world that I'm in, and I see it on a daily basis, right? So the first one, figure out how to get the money if you don't have the money. And there's ways to do that by, one, telling people – 
and working something out with them to be liquid to be able to buy what you're trying to buy partnerships whatever um how you can get very very creative with that stuff if you really want to know what i mean by that feel free to hit me up um but the second thing would be add an extra cushion to whatever you have just in case if you have to hold it for longer whether you're selling it or you're refining it and then the last thing literally if if you don't go into now specifically um if you don't go into a deal with more than one exit strategy man you are setting yourself up bad because mm. if if you if you're trying to backtrack when you're in and if you're backtracking meaning like i need to figure out how to offload this thing and you're like a month or a couple of weeks into the market of like listing this thing now you're costing yourself a lot of money and so i tell people like hey if this doesn't work this way obviously refi it this way if that doesn't work refi it on a d on a dser type loan if that doesn't work then cool maybe you can find another private lender that can pay us off and maybe you can hold it with them for like you know it's just getting really creative and nuances like like really creative just find out many different ways that you can keep it or sell it but how you keep it and sell it there's like so many different ways you and can go about it clarify to our listeners what a ds well sorry ksdr yeah. a de a debt yeah. service sorry so oh, debt service yeah. yeah so that is 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 like a whole different thing right so that is like on a it's a business type loan um they base it off of the 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 the, the way that they give you the loan and how they'll qualify it is based off of the revenue that the actual property is making yeah well so, the rents cover the mortgage exactly and then every 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 lender that i've talked to that does that they all have different slightly things different. yeah they're all slightly different so though you'll hear people say or lenders say like a one to a one to two point ratio or, or one to two cover whatever so it's just again those numbers just vary off everybody and some of them will even say like hey there's an additional side note like besides that we need this so i would always just say talk to people but in short it's just another type of loan business loan commercial loan that looks at it very differently from us and also from a normal conventional so that's like a whole thing different and you don't touch those really unless like you're looking at like apartment buildings type stuff um you can still do it with like single family homes multi-family like one to four resi type stuff but it's not very common um but you get to that point when you're tapped out on the 10 loans that you can have with like conventional fha uh fannie mae freddie mac type loans so, yeah, or if you like write off everything on your taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just another creative way to get you know financing without you being too much of the reason why you would get the loan. They just really base it off of the property yep. in essence. So very, very different. So like us as hard money lenders, we kind of work the same way, but we're not the same in that because we still look at you like, All right, can I trust you with this loan? Where them, regardless if they trust you, they know like, oh, cool, like if we need to offload this, like we're still making money regardless yeah, because of our back. There's a full underwrite for that too. Yeah, guys. very, very different. And, and again, I've never gone into that, like as far as like trying to get one. I, I know a couple of people that have like gone through the transition of getting one, but I've never deep, like deeply got into it. But that's just a whole other type of money debt that you get into once you get to a certain point and like investing because you just have too much or you can't get financed because you're capped out um or like because refis just don't work like on a normal conventional so you have to go there or you just have too much debt in essence which kind of reverts back to you anyways but another type of one yeah we don't do those unfortunately i wish we could some people do some hard some some hard some hard money lenders do unfortunately we don't do that we're getting to that point hopefully um because we want to be the your one-stop shop mm -hmm. like if you can get your loan with us and then refi with us cool um we're just not there yet. we're working at that there's just a lot to go into that but we're working at it hopefully in a couple of hey, hopefully in a year we'll, we'll be able to do that be able to offer that to everybody but 
Would you mind sharing with us what your current real estate per investment? Yeah. So right now I'm just on a duplex that I have out in Vancouver. So I had a property out. In addition to your single family that you live so, in. So yeah. So no, I had that. So in order to be able to get the multifamily, I had to sell that. So oh, okay. this is literally what I meant by like, had I known what I know now, I never would have bought that property. That property was horrible. It was, uh, well, not the physical property itself on a number basis was horrible. Um, but I was doing house hacking, which is what I, I specialize in now. Like my niche is house hacking in a burr method without using hard money because of how I go in these properties. But, uh, the single family house that I had was a detached condo, three bedroom, two and a half bath with a garage for two forty. which again, I wasn't sharing any walls, which is crazy to say on a, on a townhome because you have to usually share one. Yeah. Um, but it was cool, cool price point, fully renovated. However, but when I when we bought this thing, it was literally right off of 122nd. So when I mean like right off 122nd, if you put uh, so you're on driving on 122nd, and you were to park two cars from the road, you were in my driveway. That's how close. 122nd, what? Powell. Uh, Stark and Division. Stark. Okay. Yeah, Mill Park. Mill Park. Okay. Uh, very very hot area. Yeah. Not in the yeah. good sense. Not in the good <laughs> sense. Hot area. Um, but this is before what I knew what I knew what I know now. And um, literally a couple of days into buying this thing, I didn't do enough research and I didn't realize that I bought this thing and we live we lived next door to the fire station and we lived like four blocks away from like the police station. Mm. And if you're on one twenty second, dude, that is a freaking freeway. And especially if you live between Stark and Division, man, that place is horrible. Did you sleep? Uh, you know, you know what's crazy, man? I, I got so, used to it, right? Well, no, 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 no. So, yeah, yes and no, but so uh, my being by train track. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my my mom, my my mom, my mom and my dad where they own their house right now. It's off of eighty uh, second and Johnson Creek, nice area, of Milwaukee. Um, however, like I, I guess like maybe fifteen years ago, it wasn't. It was. It's an up. It's a very nice neighborhood now, like very nice city for the most part to buy a house. Um. But there was still like police sirens, which is normal to me, like, which is kind of crazy because when I moved to 122nd, it was like, oh, this is normal. But it was like to a different like, yo, this is not normal because I was like, I hear cops 24 seven for and obviously because when anything happens, I don't know why, but I, someone can tell me, I guess. But firefighters always get sent out. And so literally for every little thing, soon as like the the tr the fire truck came out like no i can see the lights already and as soon as it would pass my house the thing was just blaring so it'd be one o'clock in the morning two o'clock in the afternoon it didn't matter that thing was going off like an alarm clock every day and then obviously the cops so and literally every day 24 7 it was like i lived at the fire station or at the police department it was freaking horrible my girl was like dude i lived in aloha and you brought me out to 122nd like you took me from a good neighborhood to a ghetto neighborhood i was like you know what that's all right we'll figure this out um but yeah number wise it just didn't work um it was costing me it was going to cost me money to keep that so i had to sell it in order to be able to buy it, the the multifamily that i have now which is out in orchards very nice totally different um when we were renovating this place, dude, uh, I was so traumatized. Like I didn't realize how traumatized I guess I was. And it's funny to say, but not funny. We were working on the house and then there was times where we would sleep there. I left and this was during like, so I bought this place in February. And so this was like going into summer. February was cold. 
And then, you know, summer kind of came April, May, and we were pretty much done, but we would sleep there sometimes. And I would forget that I left the windows rolled down with the car keys still in it. Like, I don't know how many times to tell, like, I don't know how many times we did this. And I would wake up in the middle of the night. I was like, oh, I was like, dude, that car is gone. I was like, my car is gone, which happened to me. I went 22nd. It literally, someone stole it. But um, I was like, and I would be afraid to look out the window because I knew I was like, dude, if I look out this window, that car is gone. I'd look out the window, never fail, dude. That car never got stolen. My car, I, yesterday, was it yesterday? Was it? Yeah. Uh, yesterday, I went to the store. Uh, me and my girl left our keys in the door still overnight, <laughs> bro. My, I'm telling you, bro. I was me and my girl were like, dude, we really got out of the hood. Like, yo, like I, our stuff would be gone if we were back on 22nd. My car would be gone. I don't know how many times we left our car open, unlocked, our door unlocked, like garage still open with full of everything, dude. Um, and it's a nice area. It's an orchard. It's it's, it's they're throwing money in there, like a lot of money in that place. Uh, in, in, in that little city of Vancouver, but, um, but yeah, man, it's a nice neighborhood, quiet, like granted, the only thing is there is a main street kind of, but it's like, man, it's like half a football field from us, like the main street. So you can still hear stuff and there's a high school, I guess, down the road. So I still get those like teenagers that, you know, drive their car and they're just like zooming. But I'm like, dude, that compared to what I was going through, I was like, dude, I, I could deal with that. That's not even a problem. I, I completely understand. I grew up in North Portland, and for some oh, yeah. reason, I didn't lock my doors for 20 years. I don't know what it was, the ballsiness in me growing up there. I was like, man, it's not going to lock my doors. Dude. Come on, come walk in. See what happens. Dude, yeah, 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 man. <laughs> you know? I was more so like because of my girl, you know, I would, I would leave, and she would be home alone or whatever, but just for her safety, if you will, like she was more or so like the concerned one. I was like, dude, I, I kind of grew up in this. I was like, I don't yeah, really care too much. Yeah. But once you can't like control some, once you, you're not able to control something, I guess that's when you're kind of like, oh, like I guess I should be a little bit more like, careful. Care yeah, careful, caring. Yeah. Yeah. I had to learn to lock the door when I moved to San Francisco because um, my roommate was like, you have to lock the door. I was like, is that a thing? <laughs> My wife came home last night. It's like you left the front door completely open. Oh, dude! I oh man, every day, dude. My girl asked me, "Do we get out the car?" And we're not even like ten feet away. She's like, "Did you lock the door?" I was like, "You saw me lock the car. Like, how do you not remember I locked it?" She's like, "I, don't know. I just, I don't know, man. I'm just, I keep forgetting yeah, if how we you do." Fix it. You get one of those door locks where you close the door and then it locks by automatically. Like, yeah, within five minutes. You know what's but, funny? She'd probably still ask, like, "Yo, did we close that door?" Regardless, <laughs> even she's just that paranoid. Is the door bro. wide open. Yeah, bro. Yeah, she's no. just that paranoid. So but, th this duplex, then, how how is the rent for it? Are you? Oh, dude, to killer, bro. Offset most of your mortgage. Or? Oh man, yeah. So the way that I underwrite my deals, right? Now my my the way I underwrite my house hacks are a little bit different so what i do is i look at it on a cost of living basis so um when you are buying a property look at what it is going to cost you to live anywhere and you should have a everyone has a, a a max like no matter what it is like you you may not know it to the like to the last cent but you have an, a general number like yo i'm not going to pay this after like electricity water sewer etc right so I always tell people, look at that and then add what would be like CapEx, maintenance, reserves, whatever, however you want to put, put it out, right? Add that to that. That should be your, your cost of living. Because even though you buy or you don't buy when you're renting, hopefully you're putting maybe 1% 
to like your savings, right? Which in essence, you can switch that around and say, oh, that's going to go to CapEx. And maybe you have like another person that's maybe hopefully going to like, um, what if, um, emergency fund. So now switch that from emergency fund to reserve fund, whatever. Right. So you, you should, you should literally look at it on a number basis and whatever that number comes out to, that should be your cost of living. That's how I look at it. So if it costs me after all of that, $2,000 to live, it doesn't matter what the interest is. It doesn't matter, um, what the price is, as long as my cost of living is that I'm already, this, the, and the deal makes sense for me. Granted for me, because my cost of living versus like your guys' cost of living is probably very different. Everyone's cost of living is different. So you can't say like there's a true hard set cost of living. But the reason I look at it that way is because the first year, if not even maybe the first year, um, but if you look at it on a year to year basis, if you have a duplex, triplex, quadplex, whatever, um, if your cost of living is the same there every year or every couple of months, I guess, depending on how your tenants and your leases are set up, your cost of living should go down every, every every new lease because yeah. you're raising it either by a hundred dollars 25 whatever so for me my cost of living uh after uh, well yeah so my cost of living is uh 2100 bucks that's that's literally what it cost me to live like water sewer electricity so even if i were to leave leave this place if i go rent i look at it like cool rent here's gonna cost me 15 after maintenance capex because i'm still putting that stuff away anyways that's what it cost me to live is how I look at it. If it doesn't pass 2,100 bucks, then cool, I can afford it. Or that's that's my buy box, if you will. So when I look at these house hacks, as long as after the rental income is, and what's left is it cost me 2,100 bucks, cool. The next month, maybe because there's at least turnover, I'm going to raise that rent 50 or 100 bucks. So now my rent, my cost of living goes down. So now that money, I just put it away to another account. That is going to fund the next project or that's going to be able to go into my reserves, my CapEx, whatever. So, and then I do that again. So for me at this property, it cost me 2,100 bucks to live now because I raised the rent already once. One little thing that I love about Vancouver is they are not like King County, which is exactly like Multnomah County, which is horrible um, for, for landlords. There's no, there's, there's no cap. There's, there's, there's no rental cap. So I can raise the rent a hundred to a thousand dollars. Like it does not matter. Um, so I raise it significant, not significantly, but enough to where I'm like, yo, it has to meet my numbers anyways. So my point for me is I want to buy more, but I'm doing it within reason that every year I'm raising it. But now my rent originally was 21, 21 or my cost of living was 21, 21, 25, lower that by a hundred bucks. And now the, their lease is going to expire in like five months and I have to give another notice and it's going to go up another hundred dollars. But for me, that's another $200. So in over two years, I gave myself like a $200 raise. So you times that by 24, that's, that's technically cash flow because it's money that's staying in my pocket. Yeah. And I'll mention if people don't know what that cost of living number should be rule of thumb is it should be 30% of your gross income. Yeah. I, you know, everybody is different. Everybody's is different, right? Um, I've met yeah right like it is i don't i don't think there is a, a wrong or a right it's just you just kind of have to know your numbers like what does it truly cost for you to live some people live lavish like some people need like everything and so their cost of living is a little bit more expensive i don't need a lot um i just need enough because i'm okay 
but yeah, I've met people where their cost, like I know their cost of living is like, dude, there's no way you live off of like $2,000. Like I just know you can't. And I know some people that live like off 1500 bucks because they're just, it's, it's just the way they live. Right. So mm-hmm. for me, that property is pretty much the way that I do that is kind of circling back. So bought that in February, my cost of living there is was 21, 25. Now it's a hundred dollars less. And that's going to go up again in a couple of months. So in a matter of two years, obviously they've done paid off a portion of my loan because it's loan pay down, right? They're, my tenant's paying some of my my loan off. By year three, I'll be able to refi out of this on a rate and term. And then I'll now both rents, I'll be able to cash flow per door at a minimum of $200, no matter what. So now you're looking at $400 a piece per door or $400 in total cash flow. And again, I didn't really pay much more than if I didn't buy the property because they paid down my loan and now I'm cash flowing literally $400 in total off that property. So I saved money. They paid down my loan. My cost of living didn't change. It went down and now I'm able to reuse FHA again because I'm refinancing into a regular conventional loan. So you can use FHA as many times as you want. You just can't have it active. That's the only thing. So that's how I buy properties. I just buy it FHA, live in it, fix it like the Burr method. And then by whatever year, once I hit the, um, the 75 loan to value, I refinance out of it. But I go, I know going into it at what year, uh, my LTV is going to hit the 75%. Mm. So I'm already anticipated like by year three. So year and a half. Yeah. Like year, year, year three, I'll be able to refi out of it. That's awesome. So, yeah. And uh, just a quick little story. So I had met Alex at a networking event. He is really personable. Like I was one of the people who actually stayed <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, I did notice like there are a lot of people walking up to you. So if there was a young person who walked up to you and asked you, like, how would I get started in real estate investing? How would you do that? Um, what would you tell them? Man, so I've actually had a couple of people ask me that. Um, I, I, I just tell everybody, you know, uh, invest in your education, man. Like invest in understanding what you want to do, and there, in real estate, there's so many different avenues that you could get into. Whether you're on the investor side of the world, meaning you're buying the stuff and you know doing the work, or you're the transactional side, meaning you're a contractor or mm-hmm. or, or a lender agent, whatever. Um, but figure out what you really want. Like, are you looking for freedom? Are you looking for money? Whatever that is, you can always trickle that down to like a certain thing that you want. Um, so just know what you really, really want. And when you do, it'll be much easier to understand how to get in. Like if you need capital and you're good with people, you might go wholesaling. Like if that's what you really want and you don't really want to buy nothing, you just want to be transactional, you do wholesaling. Mm -hmm. If you want to be an agent, you know, there's a reason why you'd be an agent, be an agent. If you want to be a lender, you know, go be a lender, but there's always, I think, a core reason how to get to where you want to be as long as you kind of backtrack. So I always tell people invest in your education and literally know what you want to do. And it'll be easier to get there because you're not like, like a squirrel. You're like looking everywhere, right? (laughs) It just makes it easier for you to kind of get into where you're trying to get into. So I tell people, you know, whatever you're trying to do in real estate, literally invest in your education, figure out what you want to do, write it down, be very specific on your goal. Cause then it'll, you'll say no to everything else. And it'll be much easier to get to that one thing much faster, whatever that is in anything. That's literally like the two cents that I give to everybody. Just figure out what you really, really want. Say no to everything else and just say yes to that. Mm-hmm. Cause and then you'll get there much faster because everything else 
is going to deteriorate you from what you're trying to get to. And uh, if people wanted to contact you, where would they find you at? Uh, so you can find me on social media, man. So I, so I just Alex Mora on Facebook. Uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's uh, Alex Mora. Yeah, yeah, it's underscore. Yeah, I can't remember uh, if it was an underscore. underscore Mora, maybe? R e r r e i. Uh, Alex Moore underscore REI. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that, that's pretty much it. And if you want to email me, you can email me at my work email. What's the REI stand for? Real estate investor. Okay. Just one. Yeah. That's just real estate investor. <laughs> I saw a bunch of I saw a bunch of people that were like in, in in real estate and they all put something that had like real estate in it. So I couldn't figure out anything else. You don't so work at REI? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's real estate investor. So that's literally what I do. So that, that's that's what I did too. Well, I heard here was stay late at events. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah, dude. Shoulder to shoulder with people. Oh yeah. Be afraid to approach anyone, ask for help. Always. You know. I, what do I always say? Uh, put yourself in. People always say I'm lucky, but I always say put yourself in opportunities for luck. Always. Yeah. I mean, I am where I am now because I was in rooms that I didn't think I was going to be in, but I forced myself to be there because I was literally told that by some dude that, oh, bigger pockets. So they were just like, dude, just go to your meetups. And you put yourself in a position that you didn't ask for, but it was a good reason that you were there and you are you are where you are, hopefully, because you were in a room where you set yourself for opportunity, even though you maybe weren't initially going for that, but it, it just works out that way. So Can't catch a fish if you don't go fishing. You know? Yeah, man, exactly. You're lucky if you don't give yourself a chance. You got to. At some point, you get, you got to do something. So, But yeah, that literally. To, get a girl that tells you to buy a home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Get someone to uh, yeah. put, light a fire under you, man. That's right. That usually helps. So, but yeah, man. No, I love it. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your time here. Yeah, no, no. coming on the show, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys for having me, man. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Realized Gains podcast. If you have any questions for our co-hosts or guests, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com.